0: Hey guys, the episode you're about to listen to is another live stream. It's Storytime with Sunny D. This is episode number three. I've been putting these on the YFY podcast for you to catch. If you want to catch them live, you can join me in the morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time, on either my Facebook profile sunnydee or Instagram sunnyd1.0. Stay tuned for the end there's a little special giveaway that I'm going to be doing at the end of the podcast at the end of the recording. So enjoy this episode 3 of Storytime with Sunny D. Thanks for tuning in. Excited for you guys to join me. Thanks for joining. you're just tuning in this morning, you're in the right place. You're exactly where you should be this morning. You're, you're in class, right? You're in session right now. Story time. It's story time. Hopefully you guys are doing well. Hopefully you're hanging strong, hanging in there, hanging tough. This is story time with Sunny D and this is where you get to hang out with me for an hour or so in the morning. Get your day started right. Get things get things rolling in the right way. Hopefully you're ready for a little story time. Just kind of looking through some of the chapters and thinking about what chapter I wanted to go over today. The first the first story time ever that happened last week. The first story time went over the uh, the origin story, kind of shared a little bit of how this all came to be, how story time became a thing. This is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And like a lot of things, you know, we put things off. We put things off, we put things off. But then all of a sudden we end up in a position where we're able to to kind of think and go back to the drawing board and do those things that we thought about doing just adjust a couple of things real quick and so that's that's kind of what happened and we all found ourselves in this what I call this new uh, corona economy and so now we really have no excuse now we're able to do some of those things and you know and take take some of those steps that we wanted to do or maybe you know been putting off and didn't do for whatever reason so i'm excited to have you guys joining me for story time we do this at 9 a.m eastern time if you're watching if you're listening on the podcast you can watch if you haven't been able to catch any of the live views all of the replays we'll have up on either my facebook page at my personal facebook page which is sunny dee or we'll have them up on um, instagram they'll be on one of the instagram stories and you can check out either of those platforms to get a little live perspective of story time and so what i'm doing with story time is it's kind of like a yfyi 2.0 in a sense so eventually you know i'll be you know rewriting and Kind of coming out with versions two three four of the books YFY your first year in the beauty industry and your first year in salon ownership and as I'm working on those and getting ready to come out with those the new versions I thought you know story time would be a great way for me to not only create some value and give you guys some insights into some of the chapters but also kind of recreating it um, in a sense on the fly because we've got a lot of different material and especially right now as we're kind of all going through this coronavirus, corona economy, we're having to learn about our businesses, we're having to learn about ourselves, we're being tested in ways we've never, you know, gotten tested in before. We're truly in uncharted territory. This is is unprecedented times and if you're not even a content creator, if you're just a content consumer, meaning you just go on and you look um, at content, but you're not really a creator in a sense, or you don't think of yourself as a creator, at least, um, I'm begging you, at least think about it at, like this, at least document, because there is going to come a time, you know, maybe in 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, where you're going to look back at this unprecedented era, this moment in time, you know, it's been going on now for you know, pushing month one, we're gonna be in the month two soon, but this is gonna be an unprecedented time and you're gonna to wanna to have documented and have captured some of this. So you can share it with your kids, you can share it with your grandkids, because they're gonna ask, you know, hey, mom, hey, dad, like, hey, auntie, hey, uncle, hey, what were you doing during the coronavirus pandemic that occurred back in 2020? So if if you haven't thought about that, you know, and you don't consider yourself maybe a content creator, um, then I'm just kind of urging you and kind of trying to give you that 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 love that little love nudge to say document this, capture this. Whether you're doing it in audio form, I've got like a podcast we're recording right now. What's up, all podcast peeps? If you're listening to the YFY podcast, thank you guys for being here. But also, you know, with the live streams between Facebook. And Instagram capturing it and just capturing other things. You know, maybe it's even a journal. Maybe you start writing things down. Maybe you're just capturing video for yourself that you're going to only keep for you. But just capture because this is an unprecedented time. This is going to be something, a period in time that you're going to look back on and you're going to definitely want to have. A record of it, not just the history books and what the history books say and what the history books are teaching, but what happened during your experience during this pandemic. And as I started do, thinking about story time last week when I kicked it off, it was really about being able to you know come back into some of these chapters and recreate them kind of on the fly, and then also adapting them to the current situation that we're in. And so last week i started with you know the introduction the story um some of my backstory i got a lot of a lot of good feedback on that a lot of things that people found out that they never knew before and it took me you know going probably a solid you know 10 years before i even felt comfortable talking about those things let alone putting them inside a book that i was gonna then with my goal of distribution to every single person on the planet kind of expose a lot about my personal story. So I got into that on episode one and then episode two, last Saturday, a couple days ago, we went over chapter five, which was the hustle muscle. What's your DNA chapter? And so, as I started the first couple episodes, I'm just going to go through all of the chapters real quick, so we kind of have a preview of different chapters, and you know. And also, I, I was asking you guys, like, is there a certain chapter that you'd want to hear, you know, or a certain chapter that's on the forefront of your mind? A lot of you guys have gotten the book. If you don't have the book, you just go to yourfirstyearin.com. You can grab one, and um, we have a, a promo code for everything on our website. It's called, it's uh, just the promo codes together and everything's 10% off. But also if you're on the live stream today, at the end of the stream, I'm going to announce a couple other things um, that I'm doing that are going to be unique for our viewers and listeners. So hang tight for that. So go over the chapters real quick and then we'll get going. So the chapters after the introduction, the chapters start with chapter one is why is this industry for you? You know, getting into like what you're doing and why you're doing it. there's a lot of people that are in the beauty industry right now that won't be uh, especially after this pandemic is over and there's some people that are in the beauty industry right now that will be and always will be but the why is the reason so I get into that and what your why is and figuring that out chapter 2 resumes portfolios and other waste of time chapter 3 salon interviews it's not love at first sight chapter 4 show me the money numbers don't lie Chapter five, hustle muscle, what's your DNA? Chapter six, networking, do or die. Chapter seven, goals, set them, but don't forget them. Chapter eight, mentors versus coaches, why you need them both. Chapter nine, location, 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 why bouncing around will ruin your career. And then chapter 10, what if you do make it? And then I finish up with some final thoughts and a couple of case studies. You know, in starting, my company in 2009 the salon 1.0 one of the cool things was i got to kind of write the rules and i got to really imagine you know a salon in a different way imagine an approach to leadership and approach to career pathing and approach to all those things in a completely different way so that was also you know that was one of the things that was awesome also on the other side of that i got also to to bear all the responsibility for everything you know so whether it's working or whether it's not working when you start a company everything is your fault you are you know as they say the buck stops here well you truly are the here and you're where the buck stops so you have to really think about that for some of you guys that are thinking like i want to start a business there's a lot of people that are in businesses right now that have businesses right now that are thinking I want to get out of this you know business and I just want to be a 9 to 5 you know regular Joe and there's nothing wrong with that I mean we you know that's the majority of our population and then there's a small percentage of our population that start businesses and there's a huge percent of those people that start businesses that those businesses just don't work whether the economy is doing great or not you know the statistics are still in the 90 percentile range of businesses fail and I tell you that to tell you this If you're thinking about starting a business and you feel like you've got that entrepreneurial kind of spirit or that itch that you need to scratch, go for it. Because here's the thing, if you end up in that 20, 30 years from now looking back and saying, you know, having that regret saying, man, I wish I had, you know, that's one of the worst, probably worst feelings ever. And so right now, especially everyone's kind of, futures are in the balance we're kind of wondering like what's going to happen you know what's going to come out on the other side of this is my company still going to be there you know on the other side of this i was even listening to some business owners and they're making tough decisions they're thinking to themselves like well you know there's this stimulus package with all this money if i take the money then am i i'm going to be able to pay some bills and maybe keep my people on payroll but Depending on how long this thing goes on, I might have a bigger problem than just that. Like my business may not even be able to exist on the other side of this. So they're kind of thinking maybe, you know, now's the time. And I've already seen it and maybe some of you guys have already seen it or heard about it. Some people have already closed up shop and just called it a day, right? They're like, you know what? It's it's a wrap. You know, there were businesses that were teetering on the brink and this was kind of the little nudge that they maybe needed wanted and or accepted and said you know what boom i'm done i'm out but like i was sharing with a lot of you guys on the flip side of that coin is opportunity to say maybe i'm going to think about how i approach things a little bit differently i know for myself you know i'm looking at like how much reserves do i need how diversified do i need to keep my money in different you know in different lanes so then if something comes up again right and it shuts us down maybe we're okay with a you know two weeks three weeks but maybe a month is really testing us maybe two months is like the ultimate test but what if it's beyond that what if it's month three month four month five month six nobody really knows where the finish line or ending point is so what could I do to shore myself up and be as diversified as possible Now, if you're in the beauty industry, like there's huge opportunity. I know right now it's like education, education, education. Um, That's great. And the majority of it's free. But, you know, free is also not going to pay your rent your electricity you put food on your table so that's awesome and that's the heart of the hairdresser being able to give 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 and i'm giving a lot right now as well and i mean hey why not right if you're a giver you're a giver good times and or bad times but definitely if you have a message you can help lift somebody up go ahead do it but at the same time i'm also generating revenue thinking of ways to generate revenue thinking of different avenues thinking of coaching my team so we can keep some form of revenue coming in because our hands are off hair but our mind is on our money and our money is still on our mind you know so that's not going to change and so as you're thinking about your current situation you know thinking about money and how that's going to play into you know what it is you're gonna do next or what it is you're doing now you know I I thought I could give you some ideas and going into chapter 4 which that chapter is called show me the money numbers don't lie so that's the chapter we're gonna do today and I'll kind of like I've been doing I'll go off cuff I'll jump in I'll ad lib I'll you know things that I'm thinking about currently my mind is moving you know I've been you know sleeping probably okay but probably even less though because i've got so many ideas that are just coming up i've never i don't think i think i'm actually working harder now than i worked before the pandemic because when i'm behind the chair i'm a hairdresser That's what i do i've been doing that for a long time it comes pretty easy to me you know i'm talking to somebody hanging out for an hour or two doing a haircut doing a color doing a finish it's kind of easy when i get challenged it's when i'm building my business you know working you know on the business instead of in the business and if you're an owner out there then you know what that means you know working on the business you know it starts you know after you get you know, Before that guest and after you get done with that guest that's when you're working on your business so if you do both if you work behind the chair and you run your business or own your business you have a You have two jobs two full-time jobs. You have the luxury of what I say uh, working part-time You get to work part-time meaning there's 24 hours in a day You can pick the first 12 or the second 12, you know, so you're working part-time and so you know, and I love it. You know, 12, 15, 16, 17 hours a day. I love it because I get to be engaging. I get to engage. I get to learn. I get to break things. I get to move fast. I get to try. I get to experiment. In um, in owning your own company. But right now, I think I'm working even harder because I'm challenged with coming up with different things and testing different things and learning and understanding. So. When it comes to numbers, a lot of hairstylists try to kick that can down the road. You know, and I hear this a lot, and some of you guys may have said this before. I'm a I'm an artist, right? <clears throat> I'm not a numbers guy. Or I'm an artist. I'm not a numbers girl, right? And and maybe I wasn't I wasn't ever good at math. You ever ke- catch yourself saying that like I wasn't good at math or you know the numbers just aren't my thing, or um, I just don't get it. You know those are all excuses to avoid the inevitable, and the inevitable is you have to become a numbers guy. you have to become a numbers girl. you can't just say you're not, and then that gives you a pass, and then you don't have to confront the numbers you know uh shame on shame on you if you if someone else knows more about your money than you do, right. And so, you know, I shared in my introduction, I started selling, you know, selling things at 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old, learning how to make a dollar, you know, and then learning how to take $1 and turn it into two and two into four and four into eight. You know, that's the game. And when you think about that, that's generating money. And that came really from me. It wasn't somebody teaching me how to do that it was me needing to do that to be able to survive it was me needing to do that to be able to eat it was me needing to be able to do that and now if you were you know fortunate enough not to have to fight for your own at you know those early ages 11 12 13 or in my case at 15 i was completely you know on the streets then that's all right. But wherever you're at now, you need to start, right? You have to pay attention to your numbers and you have to know more about your money than anybody else. Yes, I'm not taking anything away from having an accountant, CPA, financial advisor. I've got all those things and those things are good. But I'll tell you what, they're not, they don't know more about my money than I do. I'm getting their expertise and advice on how to situate myself. But at the end of the day, the question goes to everyone whose money is it right it's your money and so if somebody else knows more about your money than you do then you're already compromised you're already leveraged and a lot of people are finding out right now especially in our beautiful hair industry that a lot of people are leveraged because they don't even know where to begin when it comes to You know the stimulus package and the loans and which one do i get and and i'm going to do a video about that to help some of those owners out there so stay tuned Um, and and i'm not a cpa i'm a 1.7 gpa right i barely graduated high school so you don't have to take my advice i'm not giving you investment advice financial advice i'm just saying these are i'm going to share some of the things and and probably with those applications like doing a live read and talking about some of those things and what they mean and what I found is yeah there's Google and there's a dictionary and anything you don't know you know look it up don't just take it okay well I don't understand that and then just glaze over it you know you've been, you've read contracts and you've you've seen things before and you're reading it and all of a sudden you're like eyes go cross-eyed like that was me forever You know when i wrote this book i was and i got to thinking about okay i'm about to do this chapter show me the money numbers don't lie i was like but i gotta remember you know i'm talking to me i'm a hairdresser i'm not a math guy i'm I'm not i'm not but i'm a money guy right i don't maybe don't know math, don't know numbers that great but i know money right and so that's what i started to think about like talking to myself so this chapter was written with myself the hairdresser the artist in mind you know but one thing about artists when you hear that when someone says I'm an artist I'm not a I'm not a salesperson I'm not an accountant I'm not a numbers person then they say that what I'm also hearing in that is okay but you're an artist when do most artists get paid think about that when do most artists make a lot of money and it's sad but it's true and it's when they're dead. And I don't know about you, I don't know about you, I don't know about any of you guys, but you know, Verizon they seem to want their money while I'm alive. They my rent seems to need to be paid while I'm alive. You know, I mean, think about some of the greatest artists of all time. You know how much money did Biggie Smalls make after he died? How much money did Tupac make after he died? How much money did Michael Jackson make after he died? How much money did Prince make after he died? How much money there's artists Right? Artists, some of the art that goes those, those artists died broke, and then their art sold, sells for, you know sold for 80 million, 90 million, 100 million dollars for a one piece. And they never got around to it because they're like, oh, it's the, it was the art, it wasn't the money. But what I'm encouraging you guys to do, and as I'm reading this chapter, I'm going to talk about that, is become a split personality. be half artist, but also be half business right develop your business mind equally as sharp as you're developing your artistic ability and your tools and your hands and your your vision and your your your, your kind of designer mentality also design a business right start to learn about that side of things <clears throat> don't just kick the can down the street don't just say okay I'm an artist uh, somebody else handle the money because then you find yourself in the corona economy and you're like oh shit uh, I'm an artist and I'm about to be broke right It doesn't feel good so this chapter I'm gonna get into show me the money numbers don't lie is gonna address some of those myths about numbers and hopefully you know shed some light on on some of those numbers and make it a little bit easier to digest for all of my artist peeps out there so this is chapter 4 this is story time with Sunny D And the chapter is show me the money numbers don't lie. Here we go. And we're going to start with a quote. And this is from one of my coaches, my mentors, my friends. This is from Robert Cromines and he says, keep score, you do more. And that was one of the key things that I heard from him and I've never forgot it. And I repeat it all the time within my own companies, um, with everybody I'm coaching, keep score, you do more. And I didn't understand it in the beginning but as I'm reading this and I'm going to talk more about it you'll get what I'm saying so here we go back to the story this is where we get into the nitty-gritty hacking the business of beauty or what I like to call hacking the Bob when we begin to talk about numbers many times people start to cringe for the most part things that are measurable, weight, age, money, and numbers become uncomfortable for many people to talk about. At the end of the day, we need to remember that this is a business. Unless you decided to go to beauty school to start a nonprofit salon, one of the things you decided is that you want to earn a living. So, where will you be if you don't know the numbers One of my rules of thumb for every stylist that I work with, every salon owner, and every future professional is to know thy numbers. That is the deal. When you think about numbers, there is a reason why most people do not like them. The reason is because they're not that good. Not the person, the numbers. If your score sucks, you're not gonna wanna look at it very often. But no matter where you are, You have to start somewhere trust me my first set of numbers when I started in the salon were bad I had zero clients I had a bunch of goose eggs I think back to the first year I was in the salon and we may have gotten one walk-in and that one walk-in of course came to me and it was a start a lot of what happens with numbers is what we make up And those excuses like, oh, uh, I'm not good at math, or oh, uh, I just don't get it, or oh, um, I've never been good at math, I don't understand. These are all excuses we make up, but when it comes to money, we are constantly complaining. We never have enough money, we're struggling, we're trying to make ends meet, you've heard it all before. So my recommendation in this chapter is to make a commitment to yourself, to your family, to the business that you work in, And remember your why. Know your numbers. It is do or die. And I'm gonna jump in here for a second. So, some of you guys, you may be working in a salon. Some of you may not be working in a salon. Maybe you own the salon. Some of you may be uh, independents. Some of you may not even be in the beauty industry. I know I see as names are popping up some people that aren't even in the beauty industry. But every business, no matter which one it is, every business is gonna have numbers that you're they're going to have some kind of metrics we call them key performance indicators KPI there's going to be some kind of measurement right and if you're like waiting for your direct deposit to come in or you waiting for your paycheck and that's when you kind of get the little wake up call of oh this is how much money i made there's a serious problem there right you should be projecting and predicting like your paychecks you know to a precision amount based on the information that you have on what's being scored what is how is the how are these numbers adding up to equal my pay right so but if you don't know your numbers then it's always a mystery you're just waiting for that direct deposit to hit you're waiting for that paycheck to come through and that's when you find out and that's a serious position a lot of us including myself that's a position I was in in the beginning cuz I was an artist right I wasn't a numbers person so let's jump back into the story So let's take a look at numbers. Let's start with break even, your first reality. You went to beauty school and now you're coming out into your first year. When I was coming out of beauty school, I only could think of a few things that sounded logical to me. And I heard this term in the financial industry and I wanted to make sure I understood it completely. And that term is breaking even. It means getting back what you put in. So I'm going to jump back in here. So break even, you know, in every business, that's a point we're trying to get to as a business owner, our break even point, right? Where, you know, it costs a hundred grand to get everything going. We extracted a hundred grand, we're break even, and then we can start making money. You know, and one of the sad realities is if you study a lot of businesses, they are never getting, never been to break even. Um, it's always been just a constant grind and never gotten a break even or even close to break even so break even is a term if you're taking notes write that term down break even. So it means back to the story. it means getting back what you put in <clears throat> Now I don't know what your tuition is or how much you've invested over the course of time that you're in beauty school but I want you to start here and if you're not in you know thinking of beauty school you can think of where your business is at right now and think about your investment your startup to get to that point. But I want you to start there. I want you to think about breaking even. Your first year, you want to survive, but you do not just want to survive. You want to thrive. I do not want you to come out of beauty school thinking you are going to make six figures in your first year. Now, could this happen? Yes. Has it happened? Probably. Has it happened to me or my stylist? No. (laughs) I am going to share with you actual profiles of stylists and exactly what played out. Um, this was not in their first year either this was in their second going into their third and beyond years so let's break down break even say your expenses and all you paid you know for school fifteen thousand when you went through beauty school maybe on top of that fifteen thousand you had another ten thousand of other expenses that would put you in a range of twenty to twenty five thousand dollars spent in that year of school not separating your tuition out from your other expenses that would be the total that it cost you for that time and so when we talk about breaking even especially of you guys that are getting out of beauty school and getting ready to start in your salon you know it's going to take you a year if you're going in through night school you might be in school for 15 months 16 months 17 months you're going to have expenses throughout that period of time you're going to have your tuition that's going to need to be paid back whatever the loans are all of that added up but your total expenses is where I want you to be thinking at the end of that first year and if you kind of know what your expenses are if they're pretty fixed you can figure out the math if you know obviously your tuition is probably fixed you can figure out the math and look forward and kind of predict or project what are my expenses going to be for that year that's the number you want to come up with so you can know more about breaking even back to the story so your first year in the beauty industry thinking realistically Let's set a goal of breaking even. This is a reasonable goal. You are coming out of school with zero clientele. Maybe for some of you, you will have your mom. Hopefully she'll follow you and not continue to go to the school or like most expect you to do her hair at home. So say she does follow you. You will have one client. You are starting at ground zero. You will have to build up your reputation, your experience, and your demand you will not come out of school with any of these therefore you will have no money or no income you're going to have to start somewhere as i was coming out of school and into my first position in the salon i had no idea what to expect there are many different resources you can look you can look to and you can see what the average income is but i'm going to tell you from reality and having coached and trained new stylists in their first year break even is a good starting point At least earning what it cost you your first year in beauty school so you can break even so you need to figure out what that number is and make it your target and you'll hear me i'm going to jump back in here you'll hear me refer to a lot to targets you know targets goals objectives whatever you want to call them targets are going to be kind of your guiding light and that's going to be your primary aim and focus and you may have different targets it depends it depends where you're at you may have financial targets you may have professional targets you may have you know business targets you may have some personal targets you may have spiritual targets you may have relationship targets but targets and goals same thing you're gonna hear me talk about those so thinking about your break-even number being your first target back to the story as you move into that first year I want you to think about one of the scary subjects that nobody likes to talk about what do I get paid Now, there are a few different scenarios that can happen when you come out of school and into the salon. I will cover them both. The first scenario you may come into is hourly. I will tackle this first because it is easy and pretty cut and dry, no pun intended. Hourly means you are getting paid a wage for an hour or unit of work. This could be negotiable. Whatever the business owner says, you can negotiate higher. They could say, no, this is firm, and it could go back and forth but that could be negotiable. The number of hours you get is going to be dependent on what that business needs. So say they offer you $9 an hour for 30 hours a week. That's a gross pay of $270 before taxes. The net is what you take home. So understand those two terms. The gross, as it, is, as it was explained to me by one of my mentors, is the ocean. And the net is what you will cast into the ocean to catch some fish. Whatever you pull out, meaning what you take home is the net. So the difference between gross and net is a term that I want you to understand when it comes to finances and the numbers. That is pretty much hourly. Now you are capped by the number of hours, how many hours you can work. The salon owner will determine that and handle all of the back work, i.e. taxes and everything on the back end of your pay. And when you receive your pay, you get your paycheck, you'll get your paycheck for those hours worked. So net and gross. Two terms every person should understand. Not every now, not every stylist, not every artist, not every business owner, not every accountant, not every mom, not every dad. Not, everyone, everyone understand net and gross. I didn't understand net and gross when I started my business in the terms of like the definition and when and where and how to use those words. So think about this, right? I had multiple organizations. I was making money a lot of different ways. I shared a lot of that in my intro story, Um, but I never you know, really still, at that point, I didn't understand net and gross. And when you start getting into paying people and taking loans and loaning money and all these different things, net and gross come up. You know especially when you start looking at overheads you start looking at costs you start looking at expenses so understanding those two terms net and gross so write that down make sure you have those understood i think that um that net in the ocean and pulling in the fish being the what's in the net and the ocean being the gross i think that analogy really kind of stuck with me over the years so i'm glad I, i put that in here now back to the story now moving into the world of commission When we talk about commission, that is a hot topic in the world of hair. Someone way back when came up with one specific kind of commission structure that I will share with you shortly. Then as time went by, we started to see all different structures, different percentages, chargebacks, fees for this, fees for that. It can become very confusing to the point when an average stylist gets their paycheck and they really have no idea how they're getting paid where they're getting paid what they're getting paid and what they're you know they have to do to get paid more so i want to uncover some of those mysteries and unlock the labyrinth of pay when it comes to commission starting with one of the myths that you need to know the percentage many people get hung up on percentage it really has nothing to do with how much money you take home when it comes to the big picture thinking here's what i want you to think about say you were to come in and i was to woo 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 woo, woo you woohoo <laughs> i was to woo you and offer you 70 percent commission if you worked at my salon now i'm going to jump back in here so there there definitely are i've seen them i've interviewed some of their former staff when they came to work for us salons out there that will say things like, you know, 70% commission, 80% commission, you know, 99% commission, whatever. Um, so that, that allure, right, that bigger number, we think, oh, that bigger number is the ticket. But the key thing is thinking about that bigger number is a percentage of some other number, right? And the other number is where I want to kind of bring you uh, to focus on. So back into the story. So 70%, that sounds great as a lip service, but the reality is that you come in, that if you come in, and you just finished school, and this is your first year in the beauty industry, you're going to get a big whopping 70% of nothing. So 70% of zero, my friends, if you're following along with the math, still equals zero. Why do I want to share that with you? because one of the tactics to being used to appeal to new stylists is the higher commission percentages being offered. New stylists hear 70, they hear 60, and they think, wow, this is a great deal. Keep in mind, you may have one client being your mother. The other thing I want you to think about is when you're looking at percentages, is that there's a percentage of service and also a percentage of retail. These are separate numbers. We're going to look at those each independently. Now way back when, when someone decided to come up with a commission structure for lack of creativity and lack of looking at the economics of business, they, they thought 50-50 split. What I want you to ask yourself as a first year stylist coming into the industry is, what am I taking 50% of and what am I getting 50% for? These two questions alone will help you answer a lot of questions. For example, in some salons, you may get 50% of the service commission that you do, but for that 50%, what is the salon providing? That is going to be something that you want to know. Are they providing all of the tools you will need to complete the job? Are they providing the hair color, the electric tools, the towels, and everything else that you would possibly need inside the salon? Are they providing any frills, any extra added benefits for the salon guests that you are able to take advantage of? You want to know all of these answers because at the end of the day, everything that you are responsible for is going to be an expense that you are going to incur. The next thing you want to know, when it comes to what the salon is providing, is what you want is what you want to know is the retail. Is there commission on the retail you sell? Typically, you will see in many scenarios in the salon they're offering you a 10% commission on the sales that you make when it comes to retail. For example, if you sell $100 of retail, you would get $10 on those retail sales. I use these numbers because not only are they easy to round, but they're also very common in many scenarios. What I have discovered along the way is that many salons, when they begin this process and start with the traditional scale of commission, they realize that at the end of the day, they don't have enough money to stay afloat. So they introduced to the salon and the stylist what became a term called a chargeback. You want to know whether there is going to be a flat rate commission or if there will be a chargeback for use of tools and product. This is a perfectly fine question to ask. If there is a chargeback for things like color, treatments, and for other uses of items, you are going to want to know because those chargebacks will be discounted off the original commission of the services and possibly the retail. These are things you wanna be made aware of and remembering at the end of the day, when you are getting paid as a commission stylist, you wanna have a transparent view through how commission is structured. My warnings to any new stylist coming out is if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. And you're gonna to wanna to look at them and you're gonna to wanna to look at the math very closely. So I'm gonna jump back in here. Let's talk a little bit about that. So. You have a couple things that happen, right? <clears throat> you have the service that you're doing. You have the commission that you're getting paid in that segment. We talked about also chargebacks if there are any. And you're gonna wanna investigate and know, like, what is the commission? And there's nothing wrong if a salon, I mean, is doing a chargeback. A lot of times it is because that scenario where Whoever came up with 50 50, everyone's like, oh, 50 50, 50 50, 50 50. And all of a sudden it becomes the norm. So then a salon looks at their expenses and this is what happens. They'll look at their expenses and they're like, okay, I pay, say they have $100. And out of that $100, you know, if they're paying 50% commission, they paid $50 to their stylist. They have 50 left. And out of that 50 they got to pay their electric, they got to pay their phone, they got to pay their, you know, internet service, they got to buy, product, if they're providing product, they got to buy, you know, marketing, they got to have another expense. So accounting, legal, after all those things, their expenses come up to 60. Now, if you follow in, right, they had $100. So out of every $100, they pay 50 in commission, expenses were 60. 50 plus 60 is $110. So then... They're sitting there and they're like oh shit right and this takes a little time to catch up now if that salon owner is busy working behind the chair they're closing that gap they may not know but over time they start to look at their business and they're like you know i'm spending 110 dollars for every hundred dollars i make and only reason i'm staying you know in business is because i'm covering that extra 10 20 30 sometimes dollars so that's where the chargebacks came into play so there's a couple ways to do that. I mean, there's chargeback, there's also, you know, adjusting commission. So a lot of times they'll go for chargeback because if they adjusted the commission, it may not be as attractive to a stylist. You know, so there's combinations, there's different ways to do it. It's, there's nothing wrong with doing it one way or the other. Some salons pay a lower commission, no chargeback, some pay a higher commission, a lot of chargeback, but they're all trying to get to a point and that point coming back to the beginning of that chapter is a break-even point because after break even then they're actually able to make a profit and there's nothing wrong with that right you wouldn't want a business um, to not be successful if you work there so that means that business needs to be able to generate a profit so when you hear the number just keep in mind, are there chargebacks? is that flat rate? Um, what am I paying for and what am I getting? You know if your salon is giving you every single thing and their commission isn't 50, the, the norm, it's lower, but they're also providing a whole lot more then it may be more beneficial. So that's where you have to ask yourself as a stylist, what am I getting and what am I paying for? You know So think about that. So back to the story. When you are thinking about commission and thinking about hourly, you will probably wonder which one is better and which one is worse. Honestly, starting out as a new stylist, having zero business and zero clientele, the answer is going to depend on you. Are you self-motivated? If you are self-motivated, then a commission structure would be ideal because there's truly no limits to what you can earn. It will depend on your motivation, your hard work, and your dedication. If you do a lot, you will make a lot. If you do nothing, you will get nothing. It is truly based on performance versus an hourly pay where you have that security net that is built in. You know as long as you are new and building your business, you do have some income coming in while you are being paid hourly. Some salons actually offer both options. That is going to be something that you are going to want to find out when coming into a new salon and definitely a question that I want you to think about when it comes to your own space so when you go in a salon asking and learning about the different ways to get paid you know perfectly legitimate question Uh, when you go in a salon if they have both options like in our salon for example we have both options because we pretty much hire people right out of school then after they get on the floor they start building their clientele eventually then they'll be able to switch to commission where there is no cap because then it truly is performance the income is unlimited at some point i mean obviously there's only so many hours in a day and a week but they can make a lot more money versus being on hourly so looking at both as an option looking you know to see if your salon offers both whatever salon you're looking at um, so then <clears throat> let's get back to the story so, I want you to think about the other option I want you to think about is your own space. Maybe you will rent a space, a suite or a chair at a salon. The cut and dry of that scenario is this. You need to understand two line items, profit and loss. If you have more coming in than your expense going out, then you are in If you have more coming in than your expenses going out, then you are in what we call the black good term, want to know that. If you have more going out than coming in, then you are in what we call the red, and that is not a good place to be. So being in the black. You guys have heard of a term, probably you've heard of the, you know, Black Friday, right? That day after Thanksgiving, where that term where does the term Black Friday come from? I did a little research on Black Friday and it turns out the term Black Friday comes from being the day that the retailers actually get in the black for the first time in their sales volume for the year. So meaning they're basically losing money, they're in the red, not a good place to be when it comes to profit and loss, meaning they're you know spending more than they're making, they're in the red all year, and then when Black Friday hits, because everybody runs to the store like weirdos, <laughs> like standing in line, if you've ever done that, good for you, I don't, I'm not a part of the Black Friday crew, but they'll go and they'll just raid all the stores and they'll wipe out all the merch. And at that point, the businesses actually will make a profit. They'll get into the black for the first time. That's where the term black Friday came from. So if you're in the black out of the gate, then you're doing awesome. Most people, most businesses don't start in the black. They start in the red and it takes sometimes it could take a year, two years, three years, four years, five years to get to the black. So being in the red, no bueno. When it comes to profit and loss, you want to get into the black. All right. So I would not recommend, so what we call the red, not a good place to be. And back to the story. I would not recommend having your own space unless you truly have conducted yourself and positioned yourself in a scenario where you know you can cover not only your expenses, but obtain a profit. Once again, this is for a for-profit business you are in, a business designed to make a profit. Now, when you're thinking about going into a salon and you're looking at pay structure, knowing the opportunities that exist is going to be something you want to obtain a great deal of information on. Where are you starting and where are you going? Remember, seeing this on paper is a fact. Hearing about it from the owner is just fiction. Knowing what the pricing structure is and are you going to be able to move up the pricing structure? Is it set by the owner? Do you select your own prices? These are some of the questions I would raise when it comes to the money. The other thing I want you to think about when it comes to the numbers is which numbers should I be paying attention to? There are five key performance indicators or as they're known KPIs that I want you to know before you begin your journey before your first year. These are numbers that you should pay attention to even while you're still in school. So what are these KPIs or key performance indicators? They are as follows. So now we're going to jump back in here. We're going to get into the KPIs. There's lots of ways to track these in our company. We have a form. Everybody fills them out manually. Why? Put pen to paper because it's a muscle memory. It's a training. It's a, it's a, it's a kinesthetic movement, right? You learn by doing, that's doing. You know, there's there's some awesome apps out there. You can track stuff on your phone. You don't even have to type or do anything. It's automatic. I think those are awesome, those are cool, but I like to train everybody just pen to paper, old school, writing things down, muscle memory, ingraining it, the retention, the seeing it, the doing it, versus just mailing it in. And so you have different options out there. If you don't have any systems set up at your salon, I mean, reach out to me. I can share with you what we call the KPI tracker. If you're in school, reach out to me, message me. I can share with you what, you know, the KPI tracker. It's a pretty simple form where you can track these KPIs I'm about to go over and more. But this is where the keeping score comes in. Let's get into it. Back to the story. Number one, the average ticket. The average ticket is the service and retail divided by the number of guests you have. For example, if you do $1,000 in service and retail and you have 10 guests, then that average ticket for service and retail would be $100. $1,000 divided by 10. Number two, the average service units per guest. How many units of service did every guest get? If you have 10 guests and they all got a haircut and color, that's an average of two services per guest. Number three, the average retail units per guest. Did every guest buy a bottle of retail? If so, that would give you an average of one unit of retail per guest. Number four, the average new guests per month. How many new guests are you averaging per month? Number five, rebooking percentage. What percentage of guests rebooked before they left the salon? Now, those are the five main KPIs. There's lots of different KPIs you can measure and track, but those are five the five main ones that I have all of my stylists tracking. Now, I'll give you some benchmarks if you're wondering like how you're doing. These are based on industry information that's available. So average ticket. So depending on if you're, you know, a budget, you know salon like a a lower price point you're kind of that mid-range salon or a high-end salon Um, overall in an industry looking at an average ticket I mean that could range you know around it's going to probably range but around like $40 is almost in that sweet spot you know of an average ticket uh, for your salon guests so think about where you're at in our salon we have a minimum target we're shooting for $60 average ticket if you're in school obviously you have to look at high-end most expensive service and most least expensive service and kind of average those out you could probably find that information if your school uses software you can track it um average service units per guest our goal as a salon is 1.5 services per guest meaning every other guest is at least receiving an additional services. There's some all-stars out there, there's some in my salon that are averaging two to three services per guest, but at least one and a half services per guest, that's the average um, low minimum kind of target that we're shooting for. When it comes to retail, one, I mean, there's not really anything smaller. What are you gonna do, squirt some shampoo in their hand? right? So one bottle per guest, having that as a target would be a good uh, good aim. Um, New guests per month, I look at it as how many days a week do you work you know you can try to get one new guest a day if you work five days a week you know that's five ten fifteen twenty new guests a month if that's your target you know think about where you could be in there um, we have a target of like eight guests eight new guests and we look at those like new guests there's also new requests so you could divide those two separate categories because new guests to the salon may come into your chair but new requests is actually you bringing a guest in. So that's working on your reputation. So there's two different numbers there you can kind of look at, but having at least a target, if you don't have one set by the salon, have one set for yourself for every single day and every single week that you work. Then rebooking percentage, our target is 80, 80%. I wanna see 80% of those guests rebook before they leave the salon, having a future reservation, saying that you're coming back, securing your future paycheck. So 80% is the target, you can think about your number, where you're at now, how can you close the gap? Back to the story. Now wait, there is a bonus KPI, and that is the frequency of visits, or as we call it, FOV. How often are your guests coming to see you? You wanna measure this on an annual basis. I'm going to give you some averages, and these are just averages. We measure against and when I'm talking about averages, I'm talking about minimum thresholds. Good benchmarks that you can use when you're looking at the beauty industry and where your numbers could be. So when it comes to frequency of visit, we know from the data that frequency of visit before in our industry and then since 2008 has slipped quite a bit. Before 2008 when we had the financial crisis and everyone began you know, to put their, be put in a financial bind, the frequency of visit was eight to 10 visits per year. If you can imagine your guests coming to see you every six weeks, that would be an average of 8.67 visits per year. Why has this slipped so much? Because people, once they became financially strapped, they were looking for ways to extend the life of their visit to maybe not visit every six weeks, but maybe go to nine weeks or even longer in some cases. Looking at six weeks as a starting point, a good number to be shooting for would be around eight visits per year. So before that financial crisis, right, people were coming in. What happened after that? We started to see like the grow out of color, which then, oh, balayage, oh, hand painting. So it kind of became like the new trend, right? We as hairstylists are always figuring out trends, right? We're always, you know, and and that kind of happened by circumstance right? It wasn't happenstance. So we didn't say, hey, we want to see you less. It became, hey, we're coming less. So how can we adapt and overcome? And we're good at that as creative people. I'm interested to see, you know, with what's going on right now, how it's going to be you know how it's going to go into effect moving forward with the pandemic and frequency of visit and financial so just kind of be prepared you know you have to make you know get creative and think about different ways different things you can do whether that be pricing whether that be incentives whether that be marketing whether that be new services products thinking about different ways to keep the revenue stream going. If you do notice coming out on the other side of this, that guests may pull back some. And I think that's going to be a very real reality for us coming up. And so I went into those other um, percentages I shared about some of those other benchmarks um, that you can think about Uh, retail. So service units, you know, service units, you know, thinking about 1.5 retail, thinking about one unit per guest, Uh, the rebooking percentage, 80% shooting for that 80%. And one of the things on service, which I'm going to read from the book, uh, why services per guest and getting that number to one to two to three is going to be, is going to be key. So service units, one of the examples I want to give you is thinking about banks. So when you think about banks, when they bring you in with their sales pitch and they set you up with a new account, they give you the free checking account. And then what happens when you open that free check-in, they want to go into the savings account. And then when they get the savings account, then they're talking about a credit card, then a loan. They can get you three or four services. You're more likely to become a long-term customer of them. And you know, bankers talk about this. CEOs of banks talk about this. So that's their goal. They want to get multiple services. Same thing with you. If they're getting their haircut, their color, their eyebrow wax, their product from you, they're going to be more loyal to your business. So when it comes to your salon, if you're having a person come in for a haircut and just leave with a haircut, how can you change that? How can you take that to the next level? What other services, what other items you have on the menu that you could be offering that maybe you're not, or maybe you need to learn how to do so you can offer? Multiple services is going to help keep your guests loyal and keep them committed to your salon Um, so the last part here we're going to go into is we're going to talk about raises so let's talk about getting a raise so now that you have an idea of what numbers you want to pay attention to how you're getting paid what your immediate goal could be coming out of beauty school how do you progress and how do you move up Getting a raise is one of those things we think is sometimes a given and it is not a given, it is earned. When we think about getting a raise, getting a raise does not just come. It's not on an annual review. It's not a pat on the back or a sign that someone signals to an owner and says, it's time for so-and-so to get a raise. So how does a raise come? A raise comes by creating value. In every organization, there will be opportunities for you to create value for the organization, meaning finding additional streams of revenue. Your mission is to get a raise, to get a raise is to find where additional streams live. So I'm going to restart our stream real quick for our Instagram peeps, because Instagram likes to keep the streaming down to an hour, which isn't a problem. We can simply restart the stream. All right, back to the story. Welcome back, Instagrammers. Welcome back to Storytime with Sunny D. And let's get back into the story. So we're talking about getting a raise. So your mission is to find where additional revenue streams of income live. Whether it be you increasing the amount of services a guest has, increasing the amount of guests that you have, or increasing the amount each guest spends, those are going to be the three key ways that you can get a raise. So you need to look at creating value and you need to have quarterly talks or one-on-ones with the decision maker or with the owner on ways you can create more value. As you are working with the... All right, back to the story after that little brief interruption when we ran out of recording room. So picking back up on raises as you're working with the salon, having that open dialogue is going to be key. Understanding those numbers as well as knowing what you need to do in order to get to the next benchmark is also key. Remember when you're talking to the owner, You want to have an open conversation, open knowledge, and the access to know what kind of information the owner is looking at to critique you on when it comes to earning a raise or making more money. A true business owner, which you are becoming by coming into the beauty industry, is going to be very aware of those numbers. Know thy numbers or die. I want you to think about it like brushing your teeth. It is something that needs to be done daily, not just done weekly, monthly, or quarterly, but daily. You may have a formal one-on-one with the owner or manager, which is great, but unless it is daily, a lot of the work is up to you. You need to know how to access your numbers, and you need to know how to stay on top of your numbers. You do not get a pass on this one. There is no excuse. There are a couple more things I want you to think about. I want you to think about the lifetime value of a guest not a one-time value of a guest many times I watch new stylists come into the industry and they try to hit a home run on every single guest in order to build a career that is going to last you you want to build a lifetime value you want to build value in the guest the guests of today are coming in for simple things if they come in and you can take care of their maintenance and you can see them on a regular basis, repeat basis, that is how you're going to build a long lasting profitable income stream that is recurring. In our business, recurring revenue is the lifeblood. If you are not able to provide those services in a reasonable amount of time, for a reasonable amount of money, on a consistent basis, you will not have a chance to build value of a guest. Those guests then turn into referring guests and they refer people that are looking for the same consistency. So I want you to think about lifetime value in terms of four to five years. If you have a guest, for example, that is coming in and they have an average ticket of $60, let's say, that $60 that they are spending is going to be something consistent that they do every six weeks. When you take 52 weeks that are in a year and divide them by six, that leaves you with 8.6 visits. When you multiply 8.6 visits by $60 a guest for each visit, that equals $520 for the year. When you look at that over the course of four years, that brings you to $2,080. Now here is the question. If you knew that a guest walking in for their first time was worth $2,080, how would you treat them? The only way you will realize that amount of revenue is to look at the guest as lifetime value not a one-hit wonder this is a big mistake that i see a lot of new stylists making and i'm going to jump back in here because i want to touch on business cards you know we have business cards a lot of us have business cards and we hand those business cards out sometimes we just give them out we don't really put any Value on the business card. Well, one thing if you thought about it like this if your business card was worth $2,080 or your business card was $2,080, then how would you treat it? Would you just go around like I've seen stylists just go around, they'll stick business cards under the windshield wipers of cars, they'll stick them anywhere, and they just really become pieces of paper right to put a piece of gum in or or, or a, something that's just kind of bothering them if it's on their windshield they're turning the windshield off trying to like flick it off or get it to fly off so that's not how you would treat 2080 dollars but if you approach that and you think like every person i'm giving a business card to or i'm reaching out to or i'm networking with if they potentially become a guest and they're worth 2080 dollars then that changes your whole approach to networking, to marketing, to going after new business. So that's just something, you know, it's a little exercise we do in our salon with our stylist. And we talk about what that business card is actually worth. Just look at your average ticket. Look at your visits per year. Then take that number, multiply it by four years. And that's what each potential guest could be. So that's just food for thought. Back to the story. A lot of new stylists, they go too far, just like dating. They try to go too far on the first date and they never see the second date. So think about lifetime value and put it into perspective. When your guest comes in, they're looking for simple things. So remember the acronym KISS, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. Meaning not trying to go over the top just because you watched a dvd or you saw a youtube video or you just got back from a hair show and you're trying to perform a hair show on that guest you'll be overwhelming them and with time trust practice and patience you'll be able to try plenty of your newest techniques and you'll be able to try plenty of your newest skills that you've just learned and you'll have plenty of guests that once they have the confidence in you and the trust in you We'll sit down and say, you know what, do whatever you want. Until then, I want you to keep it simple, stupid. Lastly, we're gonna talk about RED, red. How do you know when you are ready to receive a raise? You have been looking at your KPIs, you are tracking your numbers, you're meeting with your owner. RED, red, is gonna be the final determining factor. Red stands for reputation, experience, and demand. These are things that we look at on a regular basis. When I have a stylist that is booked 80 to 90% of the time, no one can get in with them, and they're meeting all the minimal averages, when we look at their key performance indicators, that tells me they are in the red. They have the reputation, they have the experience, and they are in demand. These are some of the big factors numbers do not lie so if you are looking to be promoted or you're going to promote yourself if you're working independently you want to be able to look at the kpis and if you are in the red it's time to move up that is when you know you owe it to yourself you owe it to the industry and you owe it to the other stylists that are watching you to set an example you must set the bar higher and keep raising the bar so remember the numbers don't lie you can look at the case studies at the end of the book for what a two to five year stylus is capable of doing. It's just an example for you to see, but this is real data and real numbers that we look at. These are the key KPIs that I want you to focus on. Whatever kind of system you are using to gather this information, even if you do not have a system, you can still do the basic math formulas that we talked about and figure out what your KPIs are I cannot tell you enough numbers do not lie when you look at numbers as footprints you will know where you are and where you are going this will be key in building a solid business and not just surviving but thriving and that's the end of the chapter numbers don't lie and the chapter is Show me the money. So hope you guys enjoyed this edition of Storytime. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode, the latest episode of Story Time with Sunny D. I was live streaming on Instagram and Facebook. Sorry about the little mix up with the audio. I didn't realize I had a 60 minute time limit while recording, so I had to record that second segment. And just a little side note I did announce a today only deal on the website. If you go to yourfirstyearin.com, if you look for the iHeart t shirt, it has the the little I and then the heart symbol with the hands. Yfyi, the I heart Yfyi T-shirt. If you go on, use the promo code Storytime, and just follow that with a M for men's or a W for women's. You can get one of those T-shirts for free. The only thing you'll have to pay for is shipping, which is like five bucks, and I'll ship that out to you. There's a very few limited uh, number of those available. So it's on a first-come, first-served basis. I've got some sizes on there. So if you go to yourfirstyearin.com and you wanna get one of the I Heart YFYI t-shirts, you can get one for free with the promo code STORYTIME. And if you want the men's one, it's STORYTIME-M. If you want the women's one, it's STORYTIME-W. So hopefully you guys will grab that. And everything else you wanna find out about, you can find out at So. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Looking forward to the next edition of Storytime. If you want to join live at 9 a.m. Eastern time, you can do so on either my Facebook profile, um, Sunny D E E, or on Instagram at sunnyd 1.0. So thanks for listening to this episode of the YFY podcast, where you come to learn how to build your business right once, or else you will be doomed to have to build it again. Thanks for listening, guys, and I'll talk to you soon.